Today we complete our series on Who's Your One. There have been thousands of churches that have been participating in this, recognizing the importance of finding that one person that God is laying on our hearts to reach out to, that one person that God is calling us to share with this year, that one person that God wants us to continuously pray for day after day after day. And we're already seeing great things happen. I can assure you that we're already seeing some of them being saved. We can already see how God is moving in others' lives. Some of you today may even be somebody's one that they invited and you came this morning. We're so glad to have you to be a part with us this morning. This morning we're going to talk about let down your nets. Now I'm going to tell you, I am not a fisherman. Any fishermen in here? Man, y'all are not very proud of fishing. Uh, very few raise their hand and kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, that's me. Uh, I'm not really a fisherman. I, I, I grew up, my dad would take us fishing, uh, but it was, uh, I think it was more for him to go fishing and my mom to be thankful he took us, all right? Um, so we would go out fishing, and of course, daddy would not let us fish beside of him. Any of you dads ever been like that? You put them far down the creek from you, right? Uh, and you go find your fishing hole. You go find that spot where you catch fish, but you don't want to hear your kids scream out, I caught one, and you have to go running down there and reel it in for them, right? And so you don't want to have to rebait the hook. My dad would bait our hooks, and, and then he would let us toss our rod in. And after about five minutes, me and my brothers would make our way back over to where my daddy was at. We'd reel it in. He'd be like, what are you doing? And we'd reel it in. We'd be like, you know, we're ready for snack. The only reason I went fishing is my dad had a cooler and it had Mountain Dew and Nabs. That was it. And that, that was the whole reason why I went fishing was to get the snack time. And my dad would be like, get back over in your spot and cast your line and leave me alone for a little bit. You know, but I was never much of a fisherman. Now, here's the thing. Jesus used a lot of things with fishing all throughout the Bible. There's so many things throughout Scripture where Jesus uses the idea of fishing. And that's what we're going to talk about today. In fact, four of his own disciples were fishermen. Jesus one time used a fish to pay taxes. Jesus used fishing in a parable. Jesus fed 4,000 men and 5,000 men with just a few fish. And Jesus used fishing to teach valuable lessons. And so this morning, what we're going to look at is we're going to look at four truths about letting down our nets. Four truths about letting down our nets. So let's look. Number one, when we follow Jesus, he will make us fishers of men and we will let down our nets. Look at me in Matthew 4 and verse 19. Now, to give you a little context to this story, Peter and Andrew are fishing. Jesus walks by, and he speaks this unto them in verse 19. It says, He saith unto them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And it says, They straightway left their nets and followed him. The very next story goes to James and John. He tells them the same thing. Come follow me. They leave their nets. They leave their father, and they go follow Jesus. When we follow Jesus, he will make us fishers of men and we'll let down our nets. Now, when it comes to fishing, you got to have the right stuff, right? Number one, you got to have the right gear. You got to have the right gear. And when we went fishing, we would always use a fishing pole. Now, you know, my daddy had the nice fishing pole that had the nice reel, the nice, everything on it was super nice. We got the Walmart $9.99 special, right? You know, the little cheap Tyco fishing reel. And we just throw it out there. We cast it. We reel it. But that's the idea. you got to have the right equipment. Now, in biblical times, they didn't use a lot of rods. They would use nets or they would use drag nets. Now, on a net, they would have these little weights on the bottom. They would cast the net out. It would spread out over the water. And then they would let it sink a little bit. And then they'd pull the string. As they'd pull the string, 
the weights would come together and then they would pull up their haul of fish. Or they would use a drag net. In other words, they'd take a net, they'd put it between two boats, had weights at the bottom of the net, and they would drag the seas. And then once they finished dragging a certain portion, they would bring the nets up together and they would bring in all the fish that they caught. So you got to have the right equipment to fish. you got to have the right bait, right? How many of you have ever sat there forever and ever putting a worm on your hook? How many of you had somebody else bait your line for you when it was a worm, you know? You'd sit there and you'd push it over several times. Or my dad, sometimes we'd get minnows. He liked live minnows because then they'd swim, and so the fish would want to swim and catch them and eat them, you know, so we would use minnows. But a lot of fishermen, they'll use these lures, right? They've got special lures. I asked a man one time when I was at church, I said, hey, can I use your tackle box and kind of show some of the lures to show the different, the different types of lures that are out there? He brings me an old rusted tackle box with all all his old lures. I was like, well, I'm not using that one. But there are special lures. They're colorful. There's some that have several hooks on them. But anyways, you got to have the right bait to draw the fish in. Not only have you got to have the right gear, not only have you got to have the right bait, you got to have the right spot. Some people have their fishing hole that they go to. They know exactly where the fish are biting. Some people will fish off of a pier. Some people will get on a boat. They'll fish off of their boat. So they, they go to different places. They find the right spot. They know where the fish are biting. Now you say, well, what does that have to do with letting down our nets? Well, it has several things to do with it. Number one, we got to have the right gear. And well, the fishing pole is able to allow you to catch one fish at a time. God has called us to go out and personally evangelize people. God has given us the right tools to go out there and share the gospel. A lot of people say, well, brother, I don't, I don't know how to share Jesus with other people. Well, if you don't know how to share Jesus with other people, how do you know you got him? If you don't have a story, how can you tell them a story? You see, if you don't know what happened to you and how you got saved, how do you know that you're saved? You see, that's a question you got to ask yourself. Because here's what the text says. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Let me tell you something. If you've never dropped your line, you might want to question whether you've got one. If you've never shared the gospel, you might want to question whether you've received the gospel. Because the Bible says, I will make you fishers of men. Not that you will become it, but I will make you fishers of men. Why? Because when you've got the good news, you want to share it with everybody. Let me tell you, there's not a grandparent out there that will not show you pictures of their grandkids, is there? I bet you several of y'all are pulling out your phones right now going, I got some right here. You know, we love to share good news. The greatest news that we have is the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. We will make you, he will make you fishers of men personally. Now, here's the thing. The other thing, we can use nets. We do big events. I love Vacation Bible School. All right? If you had not signed up for it, get signed up. It's one of the best events that churches put on to reach lost children. But we not only hope to reach the children, we hope to reach their parents as well. We do big event evangelism for what reason? To bring people in, to tell them about Jesus because we can't think of anything better to do than to tell them about Jesus. You see, we got the right gear. We also have the right bait. A lot of people say, well, I got to know how to share the message, and I need to use this evangelism program. Let me just tell you something. The gospel is good enough. The gospel is good enough. 
Here's the truth. You have a story. If you've come to Christ, you have a story. And God can use your story to change people's lives. You've got the right bait. His name is Jesus. And there is nothing sweeter. Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm here to tell you, it's the best thing on the menu. He's the best bait. Not only do we have that, but you got the right spot too. What you don't realize is, is God has put you right where he wants you. Where you work, God has put you there for a reason. He's put those people around you because he wants you to make a difference in their lives. He's put you in your neighborhood because he wants you to make a difference in their lives. He's put you right where you're at to make a difference right where you're at. There is no better fishing hole than the one that Jesus has placed you in. Let me tell you, I used to use uh, the fact that I couldn't fish as as a cop-out to not take my son fishing. All right? And I'd tell them, one time we went to a friend's house, and they said, hey, we want you to come over for dinner, and then you can go fish in our pond. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I could care less about fishing. And my son gets all excited, because they're going to use his rods, and he's got the bait, and he's got all this stuff. And I'm thinking, son, and I even told him, like, son, you don't want me to take you fishing, because I won't catch anything. And if you're dependent on me, you're not going to catch anything. I mean, I made every kind of excuse in the world not to go fishing. But we went down there. I cast my rod in, sitting there just thinking, well, I guess I'm just going to be bored for about the next hour. Within about one minute, I was having to reel a fish in. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I, I have rarely, and I mean rarely, caught a fish. And here I am reeling this fish in. I thought, man, okay, well, that's, that's not too shabby. So I put some more bait on there, and I cast the line out. Within a couple more minutes, I was reeling another one in. I'm like, what in the world? They, you must have prayed over this pond or something because they don't bite like this for me. And the next thing I know, my son is reeling in a fish. And I'm thinking, man, it, let me just tell you, the reason why I tell you that story is simply this. Many of us will make excuses not to cast our line in. Many of us will give every kind of excuse. What's well, never worked before. It's never happened before. God's never used me before. Let me tell you something. If you are willing to be used by God, he will use you. Stop making excuses and simply go fishing. God says, I'll make you fishers of men. He will give you the ability. You say, well, what if I, I don't know what to say? If you are faithful to go out, he will be faithful to speak through you. That's the thing I found so many times that God will bring up scriptures I didn't even realize I had memorized. And he brings it out at the right time to speak to the people in the right place. You see, when you follow Jesus, he'll make you a fisher of men and you'll let down your nets. Look at me in Luke chapter 5 where we see our second truth. Our second truth is simply this. When Jesus tells you to let down your net, you will not come up empty-handed. When he tells you to let down your net, you will not come up empty-handed. Jesus is walking along the shore. People are following him. He gets into Peter's boat. He begins to teach the people. And then we come to verse 4 of Luke 5. And it says this, Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draw. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we've told all the night. And have taken nothing, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Can you, you got to put yourself in Peter's shoes at this point. Peter is a professional fisherman. 
That's what he's done all his life. That's what his daddy's taught him. That's what he's done all his life. He has fished all night because the fish come up to the top of the waters at nighttime because it's cooler at the bottom, so they rise up. So he knows that that's the best time to catch them, to use those nets. But he's caught nothing. And Jesus, who's a carpenter's son, right? He's, he's probably, we don't even know if he's ever fished a day in his life. We don't know if he's ever touched a line, ever looked at a net. We don't know if he's ever been on a boat at this point. We don't get that story. What we find is that Jesus goes walking by the shore. He gets into Peter's boat. He says, launch out into the deep, which by that time, the fish are going to be so low, a net will not catch them. Peter says, we've been at this all night. Who, you know, he could have said this, who do you think you are telling me to lay my nets? I'm a fisherman. You're not. What are you telling me to do? And instead he says, at your word i will let down the net and what happens when he lets down the net something miraculous happens and you might say well what do you mean miraculous he picks up a greater catch of fish than he probably had caught in weeks and weeks and weeks of time he pulled up the net it was so full of fish it began to break See, when you let down your net, you're not going to come up empty-handed. God is not going to leave you alone. In John chapter 21, a similar story happens when the disciples, after Jesus' resurrection, they go out fishing again. And in verse 6 of John 21, it says this, And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. Now they had found nothing all night. So he says, They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fishes. Going down to nine. As soon as when they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and the fish laid thereon in bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Man, he drew in a catch like never before. hundred and fifty-three fish. Some of you guys would be ecstatic over that, wouldn't you? You'd be like, man, I ain't got to fish for days, weeks, months. No, you'd be thinking, I'll go out there and do it again. But here's the thing. Jesus told him to let down his net. And the moment when Jesus told him to let down the net, he brought up this great catch. Jesus will never leave you empty-handed. He'll use you. The Bible teaches the principle of sowing and reaping in Galatians 6 and verse 7. He says, whatever a man shall sow, that he will reap. A man had planted a garden. He had planted some cucumbers, some melons, some corn. He planted this in his garden. Well, all of a sudden, one day he looks out in his garden, and he's got this huge sunflower growing in the middle of his garden. Now, never once did he question and say, well, wait a minute. Did that sunflower come from the corn seed? Did it come from the cucumber seed, or did it come from the melon seed? He knew the sunflower came from what? A sunflower seed. All right? Many of y'all may not get that, but that's what it was. All right? It's a sunflower seed. Well, he began to question it. He was a preacher, and he talked about it. And finally, one of the people in his church came up and, and was picking around with him and said, well, I was just trying to play a joke on you, and we planted that sunflower right there in the middle of your garden. He said, well, I knew that it had to be a sunflower seed for a sunflower to grow up. If you plant the gospel and you water the gospel and God increases the gospel, you will eventually reap of what you've sown. The Bible teaches this principle. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul shares there with the Corinthians something that is vitally important, beginning in verse 5. He says, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now listen to verse 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. 
And every man, listen, every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. A lot of people say, well, I've never led anybody to Jesus. How many people have you told about him? Because the Bible makes it clear that as we sow, we eventually will reap of the harvest. Now, I'll be honest with you. It may take you sharing the gospel with somebody 30, 40, 100 times before they come to know Christ. But the fact is, you will eventually reap if you never lose hope and you never give up. The Bible makes it clear that we will reap from the things that we have sown. I love it. We did an event in North Carolina at our first church. The SBC convention was coming into Greensboro, North Carolina, and we said, we're going to be a part of this harvest event. So we got together, and we said, you know what? We're going to put on this big event. We're going to put out a whole bunch of blow-ups out at the, at the park, and we're going to feed everybody that comes in, and we're going to give away prizes, and we're going to do all this stuff just so we can share the gospel with people. And so we realized we're sitting there, we, we're running about 125 in our church, and we said, you know what, we can't do this on our own. We're not going to have enough people. And so we went, and we went to First Baptist down the road, and they were running about the same amount of people we were. And we said, hey, we want you to join us with this harvest event. We want to make a difference. We want to reach as many people as we possibly can. Will you join us and help us with this event? And they said, certainly we'll do it. When we went out that day, we had two churches working together during this harvest event. We gave 75 gospel presentations. Now, when I say we gave 75 gospel presentations, what I mean is those were people that when we asked them, what does it take for a person to go to heaven, they didn't give a biblical answer, so we shared the full gospel with them. We had 10 salvations that day. Man, when we drew in the net, it was beautiful. I remember at our last church, God convicted me and began to work in my heart and say, you know what, we need to go and do door to door. Now, I'll be honest with you, I got a lot of ridicule for that. I had a ton of pastors that say, it doesn't work any longer. Well, it doesn't work if you don't do it. That was my thing. I even was ridiculed by my own youth pastor. He said, it's not going to work, it's a waste of time. That's what he told me. I said, well, I'll show you it's a waste of time. We went out for about a year. And we would pray. We would spend a couple of weeks praying, and then we'd spend a couple of weeks knocking on doors, and we'd do a, a survey with them, and we'd share the gospel with every home in our city. That was our plan, was to share the gospel with every person in Mount Olive. We just about finished it before I came here. But for one year, we did that. We saw 20 people get saved. And you know what's really cool? Is six of them came to know the Lord by an 80-year-old woman. Her name was Miss Ruby. 80 years old, she'd come out there every day. She'd go with us on Saturdays, knocking on doors, telling people about Jesus. In fact, she wouldn't even get through the survey. They'd get to question one, and she'd go, what do you think it takes for a person to go to heaven? Let me tell you about my Jesus. And she'd just start in on the gospel. Even if they said they knew Jesus, she started in on the gospel. She wanted to make certain they knew. But you see, people will tell you all the time, things are not going to work. But when Jesus tells you to let down your net, you will not come up empty-handed. I promise you that. Number three, the third truth we're going to look at, found in Luke 5, verse 7. When Jesus tells you to let down your net, God is going to move and you're going to need help. Look at verse 7. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both of the ships so that they began to sink. Now, that's a load of fish if you're going to sink two boats. That's a whole lot of fish to sink two boats. But that's the thing. God doesn't want us to think that we can do it on our own. I love this passage in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew 9, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in verse 35. It says, And Jesus went about 
all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into his harvest. You see, we got to realize that we've got a lot to do. That God has already prepped the fields. The fields are ready to be reaped. The problem is, is there's not enough people to do it. There's not enough. You might say, well, what do you mean by that? I'm here to tell you that Hillcrest is not enough. It's not. We have to work with all the other churches that believe in Jesus. You say, well, what do you mean? We've got to work with them. We've been competing with them for so long. We're not competing. We're working for the same Lord, right? We're wanting to exalt Jesus, not Hillcrest. We're wanting to exalt Jesus, not John. We're wanting to give him the glory and the honor. We need help. Do you realize that if every person in Lebanon got saved, we wouldn't have enough room in here? We wouldn't have enough room if God filled up every church in Lebanon. Wouldn't have enough room. We got to work together. Here's the thing. We work together. We accomplish more. We glorify God and give him all the praise because the world knows that we are one. You see, that's what the Bible is teaching here, that we have got to be willing to call others in to help us if we're going to make a difference. A buddy of mine, his name's Steve Abney. He started something two years ago in our association called At the 50. It's the interesting thing. His idea was to get people to come to a football field, not to watch a football game, but to watch a presentation of the gospel. They would have great music, have a great presentation, offer an invitation. The first year, there were only about five or six churches that participated in it. They saw about 15, 20 people come to know the Lord. This last year, they did it again. 17 churches got involved, and they saw 63 salvations. The more people that are involved, the more churches going out there and reaching our community, the more people get saved and the greater chance we'll have of changing our community. Let me tell you something. The community is growing faster than the churches. We got to catch up. But we got to do it by going out there and reaching people together. This last year, the Southern Baptist Convention came to Birmingham, Alabama. While they were in Birmingham, Alabama, they wanted to do a harvest event again. And they said, we want to take five area associations and we want to go. You ready for this? Door to door. We'd already been doing it. I was like, yep, we're, we're ready. We're good. We want to go door to door. Let's do it. So they got five associations together. Our church was the hub church for North Jefferson Baptist Association. They got there. They came. They got trained. And then we sent out people to four different areas. We sent them into Mount Olive. We sent them into Gardendale. We sent them out into Corner. And we sent them out into Morris. Four different churches, four different areas going out and sharing the gospel. We had over 100 people get saved in one day. 100 people. Across the five associations, over 500 people got saved that day. Why? Because churches came together because we know we need each other's help. See, I got to preach at the association just a couple of weeks ago at our quarterly meeting. And I told the other pastors, we got to work together. That's what God desires is for us to work together. John 17, if we are one, the world will know that he has been sent. We have to work together. If we are too busy to compete with one another, the thing is we got an evangelism crusade going on over at Barton's Creek. I'm going to it on February the 3rd. 
We got some other things that are going on at other churches. I plan on going to it. Why? Because I want to not only share it with them, I want to live it and put it out in front of them. But we've got to work together. We can do more as more people get involved. You see, the idea is we've got to be willing to give the glory to God, not our own churches. We've got to give glory to God and not to a man. Lastly, turn with me to Matthew 13. This is an important lesson for us to learn right here. When we let down our nets, we will gather good and bad fish. But we need to let God sort them out. I wish I could tell you that every person I've ever led to the Lord was a blessing. (laughs) Welcome to church, right? I wish I could tell you that every person that ever got saved changed their life, turned around. Now, I say saved because not everybody that gets saved really gets saved, do they? I've led some, and here's the thing. The question you need to ask yourself is, are you an asset to the kingdom or are you a thorn in the flesh? You see, you can be one of those two people when you get saved. You can actually be an asset to the kingdom. You can be useful to the Lord. I've seen many people have come to the Lord. Man, they get on board. They get on fire. They start serving in the church. They start working hard. They keep thinking of ways. What else can we do? What can we do next? How can we reach more people? What can we do? Those are the kind of people that pastors absolutely love. They are pastors' dreams. And then you get those that are more like the people of Israel, where everywhere they go, they grumble and complain. Did I hit a nerve? Just a few of you. You think about it. Now, that's the truth. The Bible teaches that, guess what? God's going to sort them out. Look at this in verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast in the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore, sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth, sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yes, it's about the judgment. Here's the thing, not everybody in church, you ready not everybody in church is saved. It's just it's true. Not everybody in church is saved. But you know what, it's not my job to decide who's saved and who's not. A lot of people come up to me and ask me, well, do you think I'm saved? I'm not God, I don't know. Only you and God know. You and God know. If you really sit down and you start to think about it, start beginning to ask yourself, Am I bearing fruit? Am I making a difference? Am I glorifying God with my life? If the answer to those three things are no, no, and no, then I would question, but it's not my place. Maybe you just need to question. You see, that's the thing. I don't get to sort them out. We don't get to, guess what? We don't get to pick and choose who comes to church, do we? Well, I like so-and-so so they can come in, but I don't like so-and-so, so let's keep them out. Is that church? It shouldn't be. It better not be. It's not a church I'm going to be a part of. I'm thankful. Hey, God still lets me in the door, so I'm thankful. I'm here to tell you, if God still lets me in the door, he'll let you in the door. Why? Because God loves us. God cares for us. Let him sort them out. Don't sit there and get upset with one another. Because here's the truth of the matter. When we fight against each other, if we get upset with each other, that's not God. You see, the Bible tells us that we're fighting and wrestling against the wrong people. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling against principalities and spirits and demonic forces of this world. we got to get on the same battlefield. But you see, we got to let God sort it out. We draw it in. Let God sort it out. There's several parables that are very similar to this. 
In Matthew 13, 1 to 8, there's the parable of the souls. There's some seed that fell on the rocky ground. What happens? It sprouted up, but because it had no depth, the sun scorched it and it burned away. It never produced fruit. Then some seed fell among thorny ground. It sprouted up, but the thorns wrapped around it, choked it out, and it died out. Now, when you read that parable, you recognize it. Guess what? Those were not salvation experiences. They looked like salvation experiences, but they weren't real. They fell away. They weren't true. They weren't genuine. And guess what? That happens. It happened in my life. It's happened in many people's lives. The question isn't whether you supposedly got saved. The question is whether you are willing to get saved now. You see, in the end, God's going to sort it out. In fact, the wheat and the tares is very similar to it because tares are sown in among the wheat. God says, let them grow up together. We'll sort them out in the end. You see, here's my point that I want you to get across today more than anything is let down your nets. Let down your nets. God is ready for us as a church to go fishing. Not literally, but to go fishing for men and women and children. God wants us to let down our nets. God has put you right where he wants you to be, right there at your job, right there at your school, right there in your neighborhood. God has placed people in your lives he wants you to reach out to, people he wants you to tell about. There's some sitting in here right now. You're here because God is speaking to you. You're here, not by chance. Here's the truth. Nobody ever comes to church by chance. You're here because God led you to be here this morning. Or if you're a kid, you were drugged here this morning. But you're here because God chose to bring you here, right? He wanted you here and you came. You came. See, God wants to draw you in too because of his great love for you. He doesn't want to leave you on your own. He doesn't want to sort you out as a bad fish. He loves you so much that the story goes that he died for your sins. He took your sins. You got to understand when Jesus took your sins, he became the very thing he hated. He hates sin, but he became sin, Scripture tells us. And by becoming sin, he died on the cross for our sins. He and sin were buried, but only one rose from the dead. And he rose so that you might have eternal life. You see, we'll let God do the sorting. But what I want you to know this morning is how much he loves you. And what I want you as Christians to know is simply this. It's time for us to start letting down our nets. And when we're obedient to let down our nets, I promise you, we will not come back empty-handed. God is going to do great things. It's so cool this week, so awesome this week. My, my daughter was telling me that she was talking to her friends, and she's already led her one to the Lord this week. I heard this morning while we were in our prayer time, Scott Ogle was telling me about his daughter, Reagan. She shared the gospel with a young lady this week. Fifth grade. Fifth grade, share the gospel. Man, that's what it's all about. Man, our kids are out there doing it. How about we adults start doing it? we got to let down the nets. And then we let God handle the rest. We sow, we water, and he gives the increase.